welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And thanks to everyone who tuned into the Saturday Night Special this past week with my special guest, Fozzie, uh, the whole band, Rich Ward, Billy Gray, Frank, Frank Fonsere, Randy Drake. We answered a bunch of questions, told some great stories from the road, and gave some new info on the record that we're working on right now. Uh, we had a great time. And if you couldn't join us live, check it out now on YouTube, uh, YouTube or Facebook, both on the Chris Jericho pages. I will be back live this Saturday night with my special guest, Hurricane Helms. So come hang up, have a drinky-winky, ask some questions, have some fun. 9 p.m. Eastern on YouTube Live and Facebook Live. But today, I got the tag team formerly known as The Revival. They are now known as The Revolt. All right, let's see if I can get this right. It's Dash Wilder and Scott Dawson. Uh, in the past, their new names now are Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood. They just got released by WWE, even though they had asked to be released 15 months ago. They're telling the story in their first exclusive interview since leaving the WWE right here on Talk is Jarek. So enough of my yakking. Let's just get right to it. It's the FDR right here on TIJ. So a uh, huge month uh, in, in, in wrestling, not just because of all the stuff that's been happening from the pandemic, but also from... Uh, both companies still having shows and guys switching and leaving and moving on and that sort of thing. And one of the, the biggest stories that I think has been a little bit kind of uh, uh, kind of underwhelming as, as a result of all the releases in the WWE and, the, of course, the pandemic is, is the, the uh, defection and the, the leaving of FTR, formerly known as The Revival. I might get sued for saying that, but I'm only saying it once, so I think I'll be okay. And um, it's actually pretty amazing to think of all the stuff that's happened after you guys officially got your release, which you had been asking for for a while. Isn't it weird how much stuff has happened since then and how it seems like it was two years ago that you guys left the WWE? Yeah, it's uh, man, it's it's a crazy time in the world, obviously, but uh, it's just as crazy in the wrestling world. Everything that's going on, you know, has put a... I don't know. It just, it puts a lot of things in perspective too, uh, how, how things have happened and what's going on. But, um, I, I don't want to speak for uh cash, but I think that we're happier than we've ever been. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, uh, for me and David Dax, whatever you want to call him right now from, for us, like it wasn't a surprise, you know, because we, we had been working on getting our release, getting out of our contracts or at least letting him run out depending on when it was going to happen. So like I feel really bad for a lot of the guys who had just re-signed long-term deals and thought that you know they were set for the next three to five years, and now in the midst of a pandemic, they're kind of like scrambling to figure things out. I, I know they're all going to be fine because they're all extremely talented. We've worked with them for a lot of years, and we know what they're capable of, and that's exciting. But at the same time, like right now, it's, like you said, it's so uncertain with this pandemic and everything. It's it's scary, but like it's exciting, but it's it's really scary too. So I feel for those guys. Well, and just because you mentioned, so we have Dash Wilder, formerly known as Cash Wheeler now, and Scott Dawson is now Dax Harwood, just so you guys know which guy is which. And is that something that's, that's just right off the bat? Is that something that's kind of hard to do when you've been known by these other names for years, and then you have to kind of think of new names? Was that something you were looking forward to doing? Or is it kind of hard to decide which ones you want to you want to claim? Uh, it was it was, it was pretty difficult. Uh, I've called Dash Dash for the past you know six years, um, and uh, it, it's it's one of those things that just it just happens. Like uh, even my daughter, who is in love with Cash, you know, she loves Daniel, but she has she doesn't know what to call him anymore. She said, "Should I call him Cash or can I still call him Dash?" And I'm like, "Ah, baby, you can call him whatever you want." But, um, <laughs> I don't know, yeah, it is a hard transition, um, and it's something that we've been thinking about for a while because um, we we kind of had the idea uh, what we were going to do, where we wanted to um, where we wanted to, to transition to, and uh, it, it's something we've we've thought about. But it is a uh, it is an awkward transition. Yeah, for me, like I was never in love with the name Dash Wilder. Like it wasn't something that I wanted initially. But so on my initial list of names that I turned in, Cash was the top of my list, but. At the time, Dusty was helping assign names in NXT, and he liked Dash. And I've never told this story really, but he liked Dash because of Dashing Cody Rhodes. So instead really? of Dash, I became <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I never told told Cody that because obviously I'll never hear the end of it now. But <laughs> so Cash was something I always wanted, and Wheeler's my real last name anyway. So I tried to keep a similar last name to begin with. Like you know, my name was a sentence fragment for the past six years. It's just dash wilder which i was never in love with but it's still like i I got used to it 
and now it's it's a very weird transition time going from something that I've been called by a lot of my close friends for the past six years, Cash Wheeler. It's, it's going to take time to get used to. When you guys you mentioned something, I always like hearing the stories of Dusty because I never really got a chance to work with him too much. He was very influential kind of in your uh, you know, your, your graduating class, shall we say, uh, in the NXT um, you know, locker room. So tell us a little bit about th- some of the influence that he had on you guys and some of the advice that he gave you uh, to get you ready for the main roster. Yeah, I think Dusty was our biggest uh, supporter, um, and I, I, you know, you hear a lot of uh, a lot of the talent that have come out of the uh, come out of the PC say that, but he really was. He had his he had the people that he believed in, and he uh, and he knew it would take a while for us to get where we wanted to go and where he wanted us to go, um, but he knew we could get there. Um, I remember one time, uh, Sami Zayn and I were in the trainer's room, and Dusty came out. This was two days before he passed away. Um, he, he came out of the, uh, or he came into the trainer's room and, um, it was on a, I can't remember. It was right after a, a, a string of live events we had and him and the coaches had watched, uh, a match that I had had. Um, and he came out of the, tra- or he came into the trainer's room and he said, Dawson, I don't care what anyone says here. I don't care what the internet says. You're the best wrestler we've got bar none. And he, mm-hmm. and he said, uh, he said, he said, Sammy, I'm talking straight to you. Um, and that was, uh, that was the confidence that he had in, in me and dad or me and cash. He had that, that confidence in us. And he always told us, he said, he, he told, you know, he let us know that he knew where we could go. He had watched us during promo class. He had watched all of our matches. Um, but he told us, he said, the way you guys work, um, the way you guys look and the way you guys talk and sound, you're going to have to work harder than anybody else to get where you want to go. But I know that you can do it. Uh, and that stuck with me for a long time. Yeah, this, this answer might get long winded for me, but I firmly believe that if it wasn't for Dusty, we not, we might not have ever stuck as a tag team because at the time when I got to NXT, David Dax had been there for almost two years and he was tagging with Chris Christopherson's son, Jody at the time. And me and David, like we had done our initial like extra spot together where we worked each other and got really good reviews and he got his try off and then hired based off that match. So we, we established this bond like for years and we would always text back and forth about when I got to NXT, we wanted to try to be a tag team. And my first promo class, me and me and David did a promo together. It was my first one with Dusty. I was obviously extremely nervous and we did it. And Dusty was like, this is the direction I want. I want to go. I want you guys to never leave each other's side. I want you guys to be a tag team. I want you to get to know each other, become shadows of each other. I want you guys to become the tag team that I, I think you can be. And he, he had just unwaving faith in us, like right off the bat to the point where some of the coaches at the time, like I don't think they were sold on the idea, mm-hmm. but Dusty, Dusty was so sold on it that he pushed for it and he made it happen. And he would come, he would come while we were doing in-ring drills and he would get us out of class to come sit with him and just talk and eat homemade ice cream and get to know us and get to know character stuff. Or we'd get called out of class to go listen to Willie Nelson in his office. <laughs> like, so like from the, from the very beginning, literally from day one of my promo class time till his passing, he was our biggest supporter and pushed for it harder than anybody. So I don't think we'd be where we are today or who we are today with, if it wasn't for Dusty. Did you say homemade ice cream? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan Katz, who works at the Performance Center still, he was him and Dusty were very tight. And Ryan would make homemade ice cream, and Dusty would come get us out of out of class and say, "Have some of the ice cream with us, baby." So <laughs> I guess we didn't, we weren't body guys anyway, so he'd eat the ice cream. <laughs> That's right, exactly. He, he knew he knew he was training us. He was training us in his footsteps. What uh, did he have a what kind of ice cream? Did Dusty like the the free kind, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the cold kind? Yeah. So, what was it about you guys that that made Dusty want to put you together as a team? I mean, obviously, the whole thing about the revival before I ever saw you guys was, you know, kind of this throwback to, you know, Arn Arn and Tully and that sort of thing. Was that something that Dusty kind of instilled in you guys, or was that something that you guys came up with when you were placed together as a team? I think that's something that actually helped me and Dax bond was the fact that we we had a very similar mentality we both grew up on the 80s style and the southern style and the mid-atlantic and the the jim crockett and all that stuff so like when we first met 
early on, we, we meshed right off the bat because we had so much respect for Bret Hart. That, that was like a litmus test for us. When we both said we chose Bret as one of our all-time favorites, especially Dax, who was, that's his all-time favorite. Mm-hmm. Like We just kind of bonded because like, just the nuances that, that Bret paid attention to and the, the nuances and the detail and the smaller things that the 80s did that you don't see as much now, that's kind of the things that we put more focus on. And I believe I think that Dusty realized that he knew that there was intangibles there, and there, it wasn't just for us about making ourselves look great. We wanted to make our opponents look better than they've ever looked as the bad guys. Like we wanted to make our our baby faces look so good that everybody would cheer for them, no matter what crowd we were in front of. And Dusty, like Dusty's been around, and he 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 realizes that type of stuff. And a lot of times that can get lost in the shuffle because if you if you make somebody look too good, people don't realize that it takes you know, two to tango. So mm-hmm. they might think the, the, the heel sometimes gets overlooked and rightfully so because they're doing their job. But Dusty realized that we respected the art of professional wrestling. We respected the, the detail, the finer things that a lot of people kind of lose. And I think that was a big thing for us. Man, and also like, I think that Dusty uh, enjoyed the fact that we're both Southerners and we both sound like, Southerners, and we have that Southern twang. Uh, you know, we're both from North Carolina, and it's hard to to hide the uh, the accent that we have. And some people uh, up in you know uh, in top of on top of the WWE, they may not like that Southern accent. And I think Dusty uh, one enjoyed the Southern accent because he has one himself, but also because he knew that the upper chain in the WWE didn't. So he just liked to push back a little bit, and uh, and he knew. That even though we had this southern accent, um, even though we had a southern style the way that we worked, he knew that we could cut promos. He knew we could talk. We were confident in our abilities. We were confident in our abilities on the mic and in the ring. And he wanted to, I think he wanted to kind of shove it in Vince's face that these two southern boys can get the job done. What is it about that? I mean, obviously, upper hands. It's always been the story for years that that Vince doesn't like, you know, southern accents for whatever reason. One of the, one of his big, you know, uh, uh, problems with jim ross at the start was that jim was too southern that's why he made him wear a cowboy hat and be a texas guy or oklahoma guy um did you guys ever hear this directly from anybody that you know you're not going to talk much or vince doesn't want you to use your accents or anything like that uh i think you know we heard it a bit you know like um you're not going to get very much promo time or you know it's one of those it's one of his pet peeves he never directly said that to us we actually brought it up to him and uh, he laughed about it. He said, oh, well, I'm from North Carolina. And I said, yeah, man, I know. <laughs> um, so well, you're ashamed of it. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we didn't understand it. But uh, I think it, I, I don't think it's just a Vince thing. I think it's maybe a worldwide thing that just because you have this southern accent, you're perceived as being a dumbass and you're perceived as not being as uh, as intelligent as, you know, uh, different parts of the, uh, the country and different parts of the world. Um, and that was one thing that when when. Uh, Daniel and I first started teaming, I told him, I, I was like, man, I really want to show these people that you can be a Southern wrestler and you can be a Southerner without being an idiot, without being perceived as, a, you know, a, 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 I don't, I, I don't want to say it like this, but like a, a cousin. For sure. Of course. In, inbred or whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that was one of the things I was very um, adamant about that. I did not want to be, uh, I didn't want the Southern, uh, our, our Southern style to be portrayed that way. Yeah, I think it's uh, there's a lot of negative connotations to a southern accent often. Like you you obviously think of the dueling banjos and that type of thing. Like hmm. and anytime you hear somebody like do an impression of a southern accent, they go like full Forrest Gump where they're obviously dumbed down and <laughs> super over exaggerated. And we would tell people all the time like you realize we we both have college educations, right? And we're we can be articulate and we can be well spoken. There's nothing wrong with where we're from it's not like we are dude the last the last meeting we had with vince which is crazy the last (laughs) meeting we had with vince he said uh we we were we were talking to him and tell him you know telling him our grievances and everything and he said man you guys are so well spoken we can send you out into the world and and you can do all these meetings and meet and greet you can do do good morning america he could yeah he couldn't believe that we would be able to to speak to the public it was it was mind-blowing sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you no but here's the funny thing though here's the funny thing just hold that thought is that when i just had uh uh brody lee on this show and he said the opposite (laughs) once again another very well-spoken guy from rochester new york but because he he was part of bray wyatt's gang 
he wanted him to have a southern accent and he's like i don't do a southern accent i'm from new york he's like i want you to have a southern accent because you're a big backwoods guy so it's like there's so many weird little quirks in vince's brain you know and that just kind of fits exactly what you're saying yeah very weird yeah like like it's like like uh dat said anytime we had interactions with vince it was they always went really well he was very open he was he would listen he was very responsive and complimentary like to the point where it was kind of we were taken aback sometimes that he he was aware of things that we didn't think he would be but like he said also like it, it wasn't just a events thing i think a lot of the the upper management there for some reason just they just think oh with with a southern accent you're only going to go so far and maybe they're right i don't know but i think i don't think it's just events thing i think it's just uh like you said a worldwide thing where there's you're just viewed in a limited basis if you have this accent. So let's talk a little bit more about kind of what's going, what went on there. You mentioned your final meeting you ever had with Vince and all that sort of thing. And you guys, <laughs> you, you guys, you know, obviously, and this is something I want to point out too, is this is not, uh, you know, the revival part of, of the release is not that there's anything wrong with getting released. Like we said, they got a lot of brothers that, lost their jobs that shouldn't have but you guys asked for your release you were granted it but you had asked for your release a year prior um so it had been kind of in the cards that you guys wanted to get out of there for for a long time i was gonna say actually yeah it was right at the 15 month mark that we initially had asked for our release it was somewhere around mid-january of 2019 that we initially had had talked to some of the office and asked for our release and at the time, like we were under the impression we were told that we were going to get it. Things obviously changed, but it was a night. I remember it very clearly. We wrestled the Lucha House Party, and it was the first time we had gotten a victory over those guys because we had been doing three-on-one matches or three-on-two matches, and it, would, it had been like we'd had fun with them. Like I enjoy working them because they can do so, so much cool stuff, and I like being a base for like a, a talented, high-flying babyface. I enjoy that. And so like, we we knew we had been told not long before that we they had plans of putting the tag titles on us. And so it was kind of starting that night. That's why we got the first victory over them. But Dax and I had we had been talking and we, we'd been debating for months about whether we wanted to stay or not. And our plan was to get through the last Christmas loop because it's such a, a big loop. And right. It's a fun loop. And you, you make good money on it, but you get to spend a lot of time with your close friends and it's a good locker room. So like we, we'd said like, you know, after this loop, let's wait until we're on the upswing. So it doesn't look like we're only up. We're, we're upset because we're losing. Let's wait till it's on the upswing and then ask that way. People know that it's not just about us. It's about the tag team division as a whole. We, we, and we're still adamant that long-term there, there's just not enough attention paid to the tag team division. Cause there's so so many good tag teams there all the time that I think could, could con- contribute so much more. But we had the victory that night against Lucha House Party, and we knew that the tag titles were in our immediate future. And that's when we asked because we wanted to make a point like, hey, we know things are going decent for us. We're, they're going well, all things considered, but we're not happy. Like the tag team titles, they don't really mean anything. Like the tag team division had been dis- – had, had, and this has nothing to do – Nothing against Braun. I think Braun's a great guy. I get along with him really well. But, like, he had steamrolled the entire tag team division. And then a, a 10-year-old or whatever won the tag titles at WrestleMania. Right. And then no tag teams were featured on SummerSlam until the last minute they added the women's tag titles, which I'm all for. It's just it was so last minute that, like, people didn't even know. So we wanted to make a point, like, look, the tag team division – doesn't get respect. It doesn't get the time that we think a lot of these teams deserve. And we, we want to take chances on ourselves. So that's why we asked when we asked and it went on for a long time. I know I'm rambling right now, but 15 months, almost to the day that we initially finally got the release. It, it's been a very, very tense back and forth. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, you know, when we asked for our release in January, we went straight to the top and asked for it. And I think initially they may have thought we were just bluffing. And they said, well, you know, we were planning on putting the tag titles on you. And we we're uh, planning on giving you this, you know, uh, this big run. Um, and 
Daniel said verbatim, he said, look, it's not about the tag. We don't care about winning the tag belts. We don't care about having a big run. We want the whole division to be featured. And we want to, you know, everyone to get an opportunity to work. Um, and so they, they had initially said, okay, well, we'll give you a release. We went to our, uh, we went to the, uh, talent relations office. They said, yeah, you can have your release. And I'm not kidding you, man. As soon as we walked out of that talent relations office, everyone knew, um, I, I don't know how, but everyone knew that we had asked for it. We were getting texts from everybody. And, uh, and then right after that, this is something I kind of wanted to address right after that is whenever people started uh, saying we were complaining, like a, we were getting tagged a lot on Twitter that we were just complaining and being crybabies. Um, but I dare you to ask any of our, uh, in our, our coworkers, if we ever complained, if they ever heard us complain. And uh, last year in 2019, we were booked more than any other talent on that roster. Um, so I would think if all we did was complain, uh, they would have stopped booking us. Of course. We worked, right. Man, we, we worked our ass off uh, in 2019 because we wanted not just us, but we wanted the tag division to be something. And we wanted to show Vince that tag team wrestling could be something. Um, and it just never panned out like that. Yeah, I remember going out of our way to not publicly really address the release rumors because – and this – doesn't reflect poorly on them at all. I'm just saying a lot of guys, you know, posted they had asked and it kind of helped get their way out. But we we decided we wanted to keep it as in-house as possible. So we never publicly stated or admitted that, yeah, we asked for our release like word got out. And I remember doing an interview a few weeks after and the guys in charge of the talent who do the interviews were like, they, they're not supposed to ask about your release. So you don't have to worry about that. I said, OK. And the first question they asked was, so did you guys ask for your release? And I remember explicitly denying it, saying that things got lost in translation. There was frustration there, but we never asked for it. So like, we, we make what I think are funny comments on social media because social media is not real. Social right. media so, is it's character based. My name is not really Cash Wheeler or Dash Wilder. So if, if I tweet or whatever from those accounts, most of the time, I am either joking or I don't want you to actually know the truth because I think there's so much excitement and fans not knowing the true story. I think there's too much knowledge nowadays spread around and I want to keep people out of the loop or guessing as much as humanly possible mm -hmm. because I think that adds to it. I know myself as a fan, the less I knew, the more excited I was when something happened. So if I, if I say something online nine times out of 10, I am being 100% a sarcastic smart ass because I enjoy it so much. It's not anything to do. Like if I ever said anything about the company online, it's because I found it funny, not because I'm genuinely upset. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's so much to, to kind of discuss here and all that sort of thing. So, so when they mentioned that they were going to put the tag team titles on you and they were going to bring back, you know, the tag team division as a whole, did you ever really see that or was it just a stroke to get you guys to stay? Uh, I think it was a stroke, and and, and uh, Dan even said to them, you know, he said, "We don't, we don't like I said, we, we don't want the belts. We just want you to put focus on the tag team division. Doesn't matter who it is, or who it's with, or who you put belts on. We just want the tag team division to mean something. That way, we can all make more money. And uh, you know, we we I think we knew underneath it all that there was never going to be a real push for real tag teams, for whatever reason. You know, I, I don't know what it is, but if you are in the tag team division and you're two singles guys thrown together, you got a much better chance of being featured than you do if you're a a, 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 a standard tag team that looked the same, that worked the same. Um, so I think that you know we knew that there was never really going to be a big focus on the tag team division, and that's why we that's why we worked so hard through 2019 to try to make it a focus. Yeah, like, and I'm I'm completely open here. I think. When we spoke to the office, we spoke to one guy in, in particular that has always been very open with us. And I feel like in his heart, maybe he believed it. I think he really thought that things were going to change, that power would shift and there'd be more things delegated out to different people and things wouldn't be so reliant on just one guy. I think, honestly, he believed it. And he, when he told us that things were going to change at the time – I think he meant it, and I think he was very hopeful. But I remember straight up to his face as we stood there. And we were still in gear, by the way, just for the record. We were still in gear after the match. We won the match. 
we came to the back, we walked straight to Gorilla, and we said, hey, can we talk to you real quick? And we walked out of Gorilla, and we said, we're not happy here. We don't think the tag division is ever going to be really featured or respected, and we'd like our releases. So I remember that. And we were still in gear, and I told him after he said, I think things are going to change and all this. He gave us the big spiel, and I think he believed it. And mm-hmm. I told him, we don't want the tag titles. They don't mean anything at this point. They, they are so so much of an afterthought that I would rather just lose to the champions every single night for the rest of my career as opposed to actually hold them because they're just going to be – it's going to be chalked up as a failure of a title run otherwise. And I said, I don't want the tag titles. I want, the, I want actual solid proof that the tag team division as a whole – We'll get TV time and respect and you'll invest promo time and segment time and character development into all these guys or otherwise it means nothing. And they gave us the the lip service and I think they meant it, but we never we never bought in. We told them, look, if things change, we will gladly resign. Like we don't want to we don't want to leave. But if things don't change, we see no point in us staying because we want to make tag team wrestling mean something. If, if it's not going to happen, there's no point in us being here just collecting a paycheck. So, I mean, it's interesting because, once again, there's been a few guys that have basically just ran out the string from John Moxley to Brody Lee to Matt Hardy. You guys did the same. And they all have similar kind of stories about what happened over the last month, the last two weeks, the last week, and the last day. Um, what was that like for you guys when the company started realizing like these guys are serious? They're not just here trying to up their contracts or, 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 or you know, pull a threat. Uh, did they start doing a full court press on you guys to try and make you stay? Uh, yeah, they they. Uh, I don't know if they actually wanted us. You know, um, I just think that the threat of us leaving when there was another uh, company that's getting a lot of. Uh, uh, what about press focus uh, buzz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of buzz, a lot of press. They didn't want that. I think they knew that there was um, there was opportunity for us outside of the WWE, and I think they just wanted to keep us away from that opportunity. But they basically just um, they gave us one last big spiel about how they wanted to use us. It was all Vince's idea. We had a meeting with Vince, and uh, he presented us with these characters that were less than flattering <laughs> to us. Uh, and it wasn't what I felt that we could represent or should represent. Um, and I don't know, (laughs) I don't know too many guys who, um, if they have any kind of worth self self worth, or, uh, if they had any kind of, if they believed in themselves as characters, as people, if they would have taken that opportunity and we just said, no, uh, you know, we're just, we're not happy here. I think it's time for us to go. And then they took us off the road and that was it. Uh, the last thing we did on TV was we we beat down Braun Strowman. So I guess we got our our tag team revenge on him. Yeah, go ahead, Cash. You gotta tell me a little bit more about these uh, costumes. So we had been trying for a while to get a meeting with Vince, but we knew it was going to be pretty unlikely because of the whole the Fox transition was extremely hectic, and then the XFL thing was happening, which was extremely hectic, and we knew that he was busy. And it's, you're going to be struggling to get time with him as it is. But when he's got so much other stuff going on, a billion-dollar deal with Fox and then a new football company he's trying to relaunch, we knew it wasn't going to be easy. But part of our like negotiation was that we wanted to talk to him and air our grievances face-to-face with him We, because he knew a little bit about why we were not happy, but we had never gotten to really sit down face-to-face, man-to-man-to-man, and tell him, hey, this is exactly why we don't want to stay. And you know, it kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And finally we were told it might not happen. And then we were ringside one day, put the match together and Carano texted us and said, meeting in Vince's office, you get here ASAP. So we just said, Hey guys, we got to go. And we went straight to Vince's office and we sat down and he, <laughs> he handed us these piece, these big fold outs. And the first page is like us as we are now. And then you open it up. And there were multiple different versions of their vision for what they wanted to do for us. Mm-hmm. And you've obviously seen the pictures of leaked online. Now they're, they're out there and they are 100% legit. They were handed to us by Vince McMahon himself. And, and really quick, let me, I want to speak on that for a second. Like they got leaked out. And the craziest thing about that is for whatever reason, the boys 
are kayfabe more than anybody else in that company. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you with 100% certainty that the boys are not the one leaking out most of the information. The, those, uh, those photos had to have come from someone from creative who came up with that, uh, with that costume. And it, that when I saw those, we just laughed because we couldn't believe that for, for so many years, we watched as the boys got kayfabe from all this news, from all these uh, angles, and the, the people in the office were the ones who were leaking the information. Yeah, so <laughs> that happens quite a bit where we find out stuff on social media. Like the yeah. guys will be in the locker room and see something on Twitter and say, hey, check this out, everybody. And that's how the news makes it to the locker room. But we sat down, Vince hands us these, and I'll, I put my hand on the Bible and tell you right now, I laughed out loud in front of everybody. It was me and David, Vince, Bruce, Pritchard, and Carano. And I laughed out loud in front of everybody. And they were they were all serious. They had the, the faces on, and they started telling us why they thought it would be a good idea. And talked about the oozy hot stuff and the back shaving stuff where we got to show that we, we can do more than just be serious, straight-faced Africa because we can, we can show different sides and do some comedy and show different – levels of charisma which we never really got a chance to do even though we asked a lot and we told him straight up right there and i think this is when they really realized that we weren't bluffing we weren't just trying to negotiate a higher number we looked at looked at him all in the face and we said here's the deal these are not good these are bad but we will do these until our our contracts expire we'll do whatever you want we'll give it a hundred percent we'll go all in we'll have fun with it it'll be fun and we'll do exactly what you have right here. But when our contracts expire, we're gone. We're not resigning. There's no there's no way that we're going to be staying here past June. And I think that's when – that was a Friday at, T- at SmackDown. And then on a Wednesday, we got a phone call saying, hey, you guys have been pulled off of everything going forward. So I don't know if because we agreed to do it that it kind of lost some of its hilarity to them. But we <laughs> said, yeah, we'll do it. We'll, we'll do it, but we're not taking – and. This is just a little aside here. The numbers that have been reported contract-wise, like the 750 for whatever years, like the numbers went higher than that. They offered more than that hmm. for us to do the clown, cat in the hat, flavor flav clock stuff. And we said, look, we'll do this as long as you want us to until our contract expired. But we're not re-signing for any amount of money unless it's way, way up there. But we'll give it 110% and we'll have fun with it. And I think that kind of made it seem like, okay, they're, they're serious. They're leaving. Let's pull them off TV, pull them off the road, and let's just let them wait it out. Quickly, I've seen these pictures, like you said, and for people who haven't, please describe them in your best words exactly what the, <laughs> what the costumes were. <laughs> the first thing is I don't know. I have no clue. I can't describe I don't know what it is or what it was. And honestly, it was either one of two things. Vince thought the greatest idea in the world, or in his mind he was thinking, okay, we're going to embarrass these guys on the way out. I'm still not sure because Vince is the greatest worker of them all. But man, like I had on, I had on tassels. We both had on tassels. We had different colored <laughs> lights on. We had spandex uh, or suspenders. We had glow sticks, lipstick. Oh my God. It was the craziest thing in the world. I just, I just pulled up the pictures on my phone of them and I, <laughs> so I'm looking at them right now. For some reason, the look, only works if we have these super low cut boots. <laughs> we have these low cut boots, but then we have like these capri type tights. They're, they're not quite biker tr- tights. They're not quite trunks, and they're not long tights. They're somewhere in the middle of all of those. But then, if you look at them, we have a, a sash that that ties and knots on the side, so we have a little bit of an overhang on our our sides. Then we got some tassels on, some armbands. In some of the pictures, I have a uh, a cat in the hat type tall hat. Mm-hmm. And some I have a a big I have, dude, dude. I have a do rag. There's nobody in the wrestling business who's who is less cool than me, and I have a do rag on. So like do rags are for people with hair, anyway. Not to insult yeah. you, but they're they're called wave <laughs> wave caps, right? <laughs> like they're wave caps to help wave in your hair. And I we got glow sticks, and this is. This isn't just like a, a Photoshop accident. They wanted us to wear lipstick with all this because like that was the, the that lipstick was and the glow sticks. That was like the, the clown aspect of it. The other part of it, we were somewhat rockers, somewhat 
sheep herders, maybe. <laughs> Somewhere, somewhat like uh, I don't know, but it's it's just this hodgepodge of hilarious stuff added onto us. And even now, like I, regardless of what online fans think, I think these are hysterical. And I, I would still, I would have wore these, and I would have had a lot of fun doing it. Well, I'm loving it too because you got a big, like you said, flavor flavor clock around. I'm looking at them right now. A clock around your neck. <laughs> The Revival Shatter Machine. And I thought those were drumsticks. I didn't realize they were glow sticks. I thought maybe you're going to be like drumming on things on the way to the ring, but there's bow ties, <laughs> scarves. I mean, <laughs> and was the idea behind this that, like, was you ever told, like, and the reason why you're wearing these costumes is. Yeah, we were actually. And it didn't, it wasn't terrible. Like, when they first described it they said that we're doing it out of spite where we feel like tag teams don't get the respect they deserve and that all tag teams have to be a comedy act to get any sort of tv time which is kind of true most of the most of the tag teams that get a lot of tv time do some some comedy because it's entertaining and if you're if you're more serious you're considered not charismatic right but Mm -hmm. out of out of spite we saw these and we said okay you guys want comedy you want clowns we'll give you comedy we'll give you clowns and that's what you see here like it's us taking the piss out of how we perceive wrestling to be disrespected so like i said it's not a terrible it's not terrible if you see it on paper like that i don't know how it would have been executed as the as the weeks rolled on but us doing this out of spite to be upset about how attacking wrestling is disrespected I was okay with it. You know, it's it's actually, once again, like knowing Vince's track record and knowing how v- Vince thinks, maybe he thought, listen, these guys need a little bit of a, you know, upgrade in look or color or whatever. And you guys probably could have got this over, but it's so ridiculous just looking at the picture <laughs> with that mindset of like, okay, you want clowns? We're going to give you clowns. Look at this. That actually, you know, and as good as you guys are, you probably would have made it work. And it's not as crazy of an idea as it seems on paper. It's really not like it probably we could have had fun with it and we co- probably could have made some decent money for it. I don't know if there's a long shelf life for it. I don't know if it's something that's ever going to be above like super, super low card comedy. Like, right. And that was my, that was my biggest problem with it. I, maybe I take wrestling a little too seriously sometimes, man. I don't know if there's too many people in the world that love wrestling as much as I do. It's, it's uh, almost unfathomable how much I, I absolutely love wrestling because it's done so much for me. But I always wrestling has always done um, done such. Uh, this is going to sound corny, but wrestling has always done such good things for me in my whole life. Uh, it's kept me out of a lot of trouble when I was young. It's allowed me to provide a family for my beautiful wife and my beautiful daughter. And uh, I've always wanted to give back to wrestling. And it felt like you know when we were in NXT, we were having uh, we were having these great matches with American Alpha, with DIY, with Authors of Pain. I mean, we had match of the year with uh, DIY, and so I felt like we were on the right path uh, to do something good for wrestling and to give back to wrestling. Um, and I felt like that was my biggest problem with this um, with this uh, character they had for us. That like that like or sorry, Cash said there was a small short shelf life, and you weren't going to move past uh, you know mid to, to opening uh, act. And I and that was my. Like I said, my biggest problem, my biggest concern. But when we realized, hey, we're going to leave anyway, let's just do it and have fun. If they want us to do it, we'll do it. Now, was it uh, hard to make that leap? Because you guys were like, I'm sure you've worked the indies for a while, but the first time I ever heard of you guys was in NXT. So you've been in the WWE system for, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, the majority of your career. Was it kind of hard for you guys to sit down and go, listen, man, look at this money they're giving us. Do we really want to leave? Or were you completely committed to leaving no matter what? I think after we had we had spoken about it for quite a while, and it was very obviously very hard for me. I have a, I have a family, so it was, it was hard for me to, to turn down the money uh, that they were offering us. But I think it was even harder for for Daniel because he's he would he told me the whole time he was like man I'll do whatever you want to do I just want to make sure that your family is taken care of, um, uh, but we like I said we talked about it and it goes back to wanting to do something special for the business wanting to do something and give back to professional wrestling and if we can do that and, and still make money I told uh, I told Daniel this I talked to my grandma about it and. Um, she said that that's a lot of money uh, for you to turn down. And she got quiet for about 
I don't know, 15 seconds, she said, but David, how much money do you really need? And yeah. as soon as she said that, that's when I said, you know what, you're exactly right. And I talked to Daniel and we both made the, uh, we came to the agreement that as soon as our deals were up, we were going to work through our deals. We're going to be as professional as possible, do whatever they want us to do and work our ass off. But as soon as our deals were up, we were out of there. Yeah. Like I knew like David obviously has a lot more to lose than I do because I can get by on very little money. I don't have extravagant, extravagant taste. I don't have a lot of, I don't have any real debt. I don't have like a, a kid to worry about, which I know he does. And so I was okay leaving and taking a pay cut if we had to. Like, and people think that we have, I guess you would call it an elevated opinion of ourselves. And it has nothing to do with just ourselves. We just know what tag team wrestling can do. And we know what other tag teams are capable of. And we want every tag team to get, we just want tag team wrestling as a whole across the board. I don't care what company to just get the time and the respect, because you, you look back at the eighties and the nineties and the early thousands, you look at the brain busters and the heart foundation and the fantastics and rock and roll and midnights and edge and Christian and all these, all these guys that showed that tag team wrestling can be a draw and it can make money and it can make people care and invest like that's all we want to do like it's not just about money all the time like if i can pay if i can pay my bills i'm fine i don't need to be a millionaire and just collect a paycheck just to collect it i don't want to be complacent all the time i want i want to push myself i want to challenge myself i know david feels the exact same way like we want to work for our money and we want to earn it but we want to feel like we're contributing at the same time i'm not okay just sitting back and being complacent and collecting a paycheck and phoning it in. I'll never be okay doing that. I don't care what company I work for. I don't care if it's the lowest drawing indie of all time where we don't have any fans in the crowd or if it's WrestleMania. I want more than anything to contribute to the business of professional wrestling on a, on a meaningful scale. And if it's I can't do pride. that, it's, yeah, it's called pride. And I think that sometimes maybe we are too prideful um, when it comes to wrestling and maybe even when it comes to, to being human beings. But it's our pride and, and it's something that we love and we have feelings for. I look at wrestling as an entity, man. And uh, it's an entity that has done such good things for me and I'll want to do good things for it. Yeah, like I, can, I know David's very similar as far as backgrounds go. Like I came from literally nothing like we had no money growing up we there were times where we didn't have a place to stay and we would stay at my parents friends or my dad's friends or my mom's friends or we would sleep at my dad's shop because we didn't have an actual home like i come from nothing so i don't care about the money aspect of it if i'm happy and i'm fulfilled and if i can pay my bills now through wrestling which i'm able to do because wrestling has given me such a fantastic life more than I ever deserve, then man, if I'm not giving back to it, if I'm not doing it proud and making it, yeah, man, if, why are we just here? There's, there's no point. Why are we doing it? If we're not, if we're not actively trying to better it. And it's interesting too, cause I, you know, have felt that before when I was in, I mean, it was 22 years ago, but I left WCW to come to WWE with the same thing, a big contract offer. And I was like, I just didn't care. I wanted to be exactly. a part of something. Yeah, I not to interrupt you. I'm sorry to interrupt, but honest, honest to God, not just trying to like blow smoke, but you were one of the the main guys that we used as our launching point when we when we were having the discussions because we didn't take them lightly. We were weighing back and forth for a long time. You were one of the main guys that we said, look, Christian. He, he was one of the ones that bet on himself. You and Christian and and Eddie and all those guys that took the took the leap of faith, like knowing that they could contribute something somewhere else. That took a lot of stock in what we were making for ourselves as far as decisions go. Well, I mean, and like you said, all the people that I've talked to, I mentioned before that have come to AEW recently had the same thing. And your quote was the same as your grandma's. Moxley said, okay, so they pay me whatever, a million dollars a year. And after three months, I'm, I'm just as miserable as I always was. What's the point? And, you know, you cannot put a price on being happy. And you cannot put a price on, like you said, having pride and respect and wanting to make a difference. And, we know guys that took the money uh, in WWE and then, you know, three months later or six months later, eight months later, you know, they got released. And that's one of those things where I think that you'll make the money. That's fine. But to have the pride and, and to be contributing at a high level is something that, that almost replaces that in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, man. And the day that uh, we were granted our release, that day, I got a text message from Bret Hart. And wow. he told yeah, he, he told me how proud he was. He said he asked me to send it to, to Daniel, which I did. He told me how proud he was of us and how proud he was that we stood up for ourselves and stood up for what we believed in because it would have been so easy to just sit back and collect the money. And when he sent me that text, I knew beyond any shadow of any kind of doubt that we had done the right thing because the guy who is the king of standing up for himself, I mean, he punched Vince in the face. <laughs> uh, the guy who is the epitome of standing up for what he believes in took five minutes out of his day to text me and tell me how proud he was of us for doing that. And that's yeah, when I was like, were, oh, hell, uh, hell yeah, we're on the right path now. There were multiple guys that paved the way for us and that have done things in this business that I could only dream of and hope to or attain even half of the success that messaged us that day and the, the following days after the the release was made official that told us that they respected us and how proud they were of us. And any sort of validation like that from guys who have been there before and they've they've taken that gamble on themselves and it's paid off that tell us that, hey, you did the right thing. That means more to me than a thousand people on social media telling me that I'm an idiot for not accepting the money. So as uh, you know, now that you guys have, have, have you know, made this big jump and, and you kind of have the world at your fingertips, the pandemic comes and kind of ends indies for a while and kind of put things on a hold. But when it starts back up again, what are your plans? Where do you guys want to go and make your new home? Uh, uh, you know, we, we've obviously had talks about it, um, but we, we aren't in any kind of rush to make any decision. There's so many tag teams out there that we want to work with, you know, from, you know, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, AEW, obviously, and New Japan. And not saying that all those guys are going to want us, but that, that's just our goal is to work with the guys like, uh, I don't know if you've heard of them or seen them, but they're called the North from Impact Wrestling. Yeah. Um, they're a great tag team. I'd love to work with them. Obviously, we get tagged in it a lot. The Briscoes from Ring of mm -hmm. Honor. Uh, we'd love to work with them. And then, you know, on the top of the Destiny. Yeah, the Gorillas from uh, New Japan, CJ or uh, Juice Robinson and uh, David. Yeah, Finley. Yeah, we'd love to go there and work with those guys. And on top of that list, you know, obviously is uh, is the match that we've we've heard about since 2016, and that's us and um, the young the young bucks. Uh, so there's yeah, a lot that we want to do, and we want there's a lot of a lot of people we want to work with. So we're not in any kind of hurry to make any decision just yet. Yeah, one thing one thing about David and I is that we love to work, like maybe to a fault, because the company saw that and they they would make sure that we were on everything, even if we weren't featured in high profile roles. Like we were doing every live event and everything that we could, and we were like like you said, we were some of the most. But I think there was only one person maybe that was ahead of us as far as matches wrestled last year, mm -hmm. and we loved it. Like it's something that we we take pride in, like working as much as we can, as hard as we can. So like, to be forced to take a step back and like there is no like option right now really to to go and work. There's no indies that are running right now. A lot of shows are taped or they're doing whatever or they're just not running shows until June at the earliest. It's nice to be forced to take a step back and to evaluate and reevaluate. And we've got some some offers from multiple places that obviously are very like, interesting to us. And we're going to we're not going to jump to any conclusion like. We just got out of a really long-term relationship. We're not looking for a rebound right off the bat. You know, we, we don't want to jump from one situation to another without really weighing all the pros and cons and taking our time and seeing what's out there because there's wrestling right now is maybe more exciting for wrestlers than it's ever been as far as options and places and being in control of your own destiny, really. So we're excited to just kind of sit back and relax and enjoy some time off that we haven't really had in six years, seven years other than one or two injuries here and there. And now we're healthy, getting healthier, and we get to just sit back, relax. He gets to spend time with his family. I get to spend time with my dog. And we're just, we get to wait, and we get to be in control and control the, call the shots, which is something we haven't done in a long time. And you're right in the fact that, you know, in wanting to kind of, uh, you know, establish a, a bigger tag team division in the WWE tag team wrestling stronger than ever. It seems like in every other country, uh, ever the company except for WWE. So it's the perfect time on that aspect as well. Right. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And that was our, I think that was our biggest factor. And as, as far as leaving, 
uh, was that tag team wrestling was featured everywhere else um, except for WWE. And we wanted to be a part of that because we could sit back and we could be, you know, uh, we could have no legacy aside from our NXT stuff. We could have no legacy and the wrestling, uh, the history of wrestling, or we could go out and make history. And I think that was our our biggest factor in leaving is that we could go out and prove to everyone that we're the absolute best tag team on this planet. And I say that with as much humility as I can muster up from my guts. There is not a tag team on this planet that's as good as we are. That that uh, is as fluid as we are, and has the uh, has the one goal, the one common goal in mind, and that's to be the best. And using the relationship analogy that uh, Cash just used. I think it, yeah, it's a good thing that we are taking, we can take a few months away from the business because, you know, when you get out of one relationship that didn't go the way that you wanted to, you move on to the next one and you might not treat that relationship the best way that, uh, that it should be treated. And, uh, I feel the same way with, uh, with, with, with wrestling is, you know, what if we moved right on to a, uh, to another company and we didn't personally and professionally mesh with some of the tag teams, you know, it wouldn't. It wouldn't uh, be as good because we are both strong-minded uh, individuals, and um, we're very uh, passionate about what we do. So we're we're able to take a second and reevaluate everything. Was there um, when you're talking about FTR? Because obviously it's now it's Fear the Revolt is what we're saying that it stands for. But it originally started as like the revival sort of thing. Was that a, was that a Young Bucks BTE thing? How did this whole rivalry start? And what where did FTR originally come from? Jealousy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, <laughs> that's the best way to put it. And I guess being as blunt as you can, that is the best way to put it. You know, we were we were making our way uh, in wrestling. And uh, for so long, those guys, Matt and Nick, they had been, you know, they'd been uh, considered the best tag team in the world. And then we came along, these two uh, five foot ten Southerners from uh, North Carolina came along and we started stealing the show on all the NXT shows. And I think it maybe put a little bit of, of, fear in those guys as far as uh who's the best in the world but also i think you know they gained a little respect for us too um in that sense but we had never talked to those guys we had never met those guys i don't even know if we've ever met them face to face you know even now but we heard that and we're like man that's you know they didn't even come to us they didn't speak to us they didn't say a word to us um it just came out of nowhere and it kind of took us aback a little bit I remember the first one I, that we started getting tagged in. Obviously, it was the first one, but it was when Cody was talking to Adam Cole, maybe. But I had never watched Being the Elite. Like, I don't watch, I mean, I watch things outside of wrestling, like outside of WWE. I watch matches here and there. Like, I watch other tag teams I want to work with. I watch my friends who send me stuff, but I don't really watch, like, the just the content. Like, if there's a Being the Elite, I don't really go out of my way to watch it, if, especially if it's during a time where we're like on the road 20 days out of the month, 25 days out of the month, which we were doing a lot. And we just started getting tagged once again, social media, like, and it's Cody saying the revival. And we were like, what is this? Like, like David said, like Dak said, they didn't reach out to us. We'd never met them face to face. We didn't know if there was any real animosity there. Like we had no, no clue. We were just minor own business trying to, trying to knock it out of the park every night on every live event. And then all of a sudden, like there's this, this rivalry and we don't know how serious it is. We don't know how heated it is. We don't know like what the, uh, the basis of it was, if it was just because we were getting buzz and they were used to being the uncontested tag team of the year, but it came out of nowhere for us, especially. So that's, you know, kind of where, where it started. And to this day, we don't really know the whole backstory. We don't know when they thought of it, when they decided to start saying it, it just kind of happened and took on a life of its own. I can't wait to ask them face to face one day. I'm sure they'll tell us the whole story. <laughs> well, like you said, I mean, it's right there for the, for the taking. And I love that you're kind of still weighing your options with all the different guys that you could work with around, uh, around the world. Uh, last, last couple of things. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your style. Um, because you mentioned how you, how you feel you're the best tag team in the world, but you do have a different style and that's not just lip service where, you know, I mean, there is a difference between the revival and, most of the high flying, you know, uh, high spots and that sort of thing that we see this day and age. As a matter of fact, one of your catchphrases that used to be was, I can't remember, no flips, no flops, just fists or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> Close enough. And, I like that version. And, and that was kind of your mindset. Was this something like, did you watch Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard? Did you watch kind of that 80s style tag team wrestling to kind of get your, your idea of what you guys wanted to do? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, Arn and Tolly, we get tagged in that a lot. But my favorite tag team of all time is Dennis and Bobby. They are the right. epitome of tag team wrestling. And, um, and I would watch them, and I would shake my head in disbelief at how good they were. And I still do to this day. I can watch a match, and uh, I'll have it on my phone or iPad or something, and I'll just shake my head. And my wife will say, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing. I just cannot believe how good these guys are. They were so unselfish, both Dennis and Bobby. They were so unselfish with what they did, and they were so uh, believable in what they did. But they also kept kept the excitement up all throughout their 20 or 25 or 30-minute matches. Um, and so we we studied those guys. Uh, you know. And then we also studied like Heart Foundation and Bulldogs and all those guys as well. But Tolly and Arn and uh, Bobby and Dennis, I think that they're our, our two, uh, two favorites and two guys we've modeled ourselves after. But, Chris, just like you said, man, uh, there's so many teams and it's wrestling today too, where they all kind of work the same and they all look the same and they all do the same moves. Um, and that was one thing that dash and I, or cash and I wanted to stay away from. We did not want to do the same moves that everyone else does. We didn't want to have the same style and same structure of match that everyone else did. And we also, again, were unselfish and we never wanted to outshine one another. We wanted to be on an equal playing field um, and I think that's what makes us the tag team that we are. Yeah, we don't. It's not me versus David as far as trying to see who gets who becomes the more successful one of the tag team. Like, obviously, you're going to get the the Sean and Marty comparisons a lot of the time. Who's going to be the Sean? Who's going to be the Marty? And I think that's obviously one for one. I think that's a terrible thing to say about anybody. Yeah, I hate I that hate, shit. I, I, yeah, as like if Marty Jannetty wasn't an absolute so amazing good. wrestler. So know? good. So I hate I hate that analogy yeah. as it is because it's so disrespectful to. Yeah. To Marty, who is so unbelievably talented, but to take that analogy, like, there's never a time where we want to. I never want to want David to look lesser than me, and he never wants me to look lesser than him. We want people to see that we can't be as successful without the other one. We want to be seen as as evens. And you know, he said we watched a lot of midnights, which we did. But a lot, one thing we we really wanted to do was watch a lot of guys like the Fantastics and these other underrated babyface teams. And give stuff to our baby faces, like to make them look better, like to get them over more on us because we know that the better they look, the better we look. And if we so happen to be the ones winning, the better they look and we win, the more heat we're going to get. So it was never it was never this thing about like what spectacular stuff can you do, David? What kind of spectacular stuff can I do? Because believe it or not, there's footage out there. If you look under my old indie name. I can do four fifties. I can do moonsaults. I can do dives. I can do, I can do a side moonsaults. I just don't because I'm a, I'm a throwback heel tag team wrestler and I don't want to outshine my baby face and I want them to look way cooler than I ever will. And I want them to embarrass me or beat me up or shine themselves up as much as they can. That's the concept of what a heel is, right? Right. Yep. <laughs> you would think. What, uh, was there something along the lines of just as, as we're talking right here, was there some time with, with the shatter machine and the code breaker? Was there, did something was there some kind of uh, issue with that or something along those lines? There was, yeah. So I'm trying to think. I'll go. This might take a, a few minutes, but we initially started using it in 2014, I want to say. And at the time, you were on hiatus from the company, so we started doing we started doing the fly flapjack codebreaker variation. And then a year or two later, we were still in NXT, and you came back, and we asked the higher ups like we didn't have your information, and we didn't even think about asking somebody for it because we were nobodies <laughs> in, in, our, in our head. Yeah. In our <laughs> minds, it's like, you don't, you don't get Chris Jericho's information and takes him out of nowhere, which in, in hindsight, <laughs> right. maybe, it's probably the wrong, the wrong way to look at it. But we asked the, the higher ups at NXT, like, Hey, he's back now. Do we need to think of something else? And we were told, no, no, it's not an issue. There's no, there's no, there's no issue here. Do it like you would do it. And, we thought nothing of it. We thought, okay, cool. We'll keep doing it. And, you know, if we ever see him, we'll ask him. And then we were doing an NXT tour in Australia. It was, it was a real crazy loop. I remember we did Japan first and then Australia. And it was just a lot of flying. We were on the flight back from Australia and we had landed. And I guess somebody had tweeted a, a GIF of us doing it or something. And you responded to it about, like, we didn't reach out to you and get. <laughs> and I remember like being extremely tired and like at the time I was frustrated and just sleepy. There was all kinds of shit going on. And I, I remember like replying back to it because it was something like, 
the originator of the move. And I, I said, my apologies to Marifuji. Just tongue in cheek. Didn't actually mean anything insultful about it. Like I, looking back, it obviously was a terrible thing to, to way, way to go about it. But I remember uh, Owens texted us and was like, hey, he's really upset about that. And I was like, oh, I, I thought I was being funny. Like but maybe that's, you know, things get lost on Twitter and text and all that. You can't really see the, the delivery of it. But I remember you reached out to us. We like we exchanged numbers with through Kevin and we reached out and everything seemed like it was okay. I don't know if it's been an issue since. Like hopefully not, but Oh well not for me, not at all. I, I think I think what it because like I said, I, I remember Kevin was like, These guys are really good guys, but I think something else had just happened with somebody at NXT that had done something where I was like, What the hell is going on with these NXT guys just ripping us off? Uh, I can actually tell you the full story, but I'll tell you off the air because it's that's not a big deal. So it, it probably just caught me in a bad mood at some point. But I remember you guys. I remember you guys came up to me in catering one time, and we were all on a show together, and it was all fine and dandy. And it's not a big deal, anyways. It's a totally different move. But I think I was just in a bad mood because of something else that had happened. But no, no, guys, I've held a grudge for the last uh, four was, years, our, and I can't wait. to Sorry, I was going to say um, the next time was our call up. Actually, we went to you personally and asked you that day to make sure because once again the office had given us the okay. But me and David spoke, and we were like, "Let's let's go talk to him face to face this time, and make sure that there's there's no issues, no hangups, that it's okay, and that way there's nothing like un- left unsaid or no stone left unturned that could possibly result in backfiring on us." And once again, I mean, it's like it's such a minor thing, but I think you know, when, in that system too, it happened in WCW when there's everyone's kind of a little bit walking on eggshells and on edge, and there's a little bit of a different attitude there that you don't have in AEW or in New Japan or these other companies that I've been to. So it wouldn't even be an issue in any of the time. I think it's one of those things that sometimes you get caught up in everything where you're like, what, what, what's going on? And you think it's kind of almost a paranoid attitude that you have when you work in WWE at times. Yeah. Yeah. You were were so cool to us though. Like when we actually took the time to reach out to you and talk with you, you were so cool to us. Uh, So we appreciate that. We thank you for that because you didn't have to be. Yeah, man. Well, no, it's no problem at all. Like I said, you guys do the move way better than I can anyway. Yeah, so. no, it's, it's, the only, it's the only real cool, flashy move we have, too. So thank God we got to keep it. <laughs> it's a great name, too, the Shatter Machine. I love That's that name. Now. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, the, but it was cool. <laughs> yeah. That's another story. We'll call it, um, maybe the Shadow Machine now. <laughs> the Shadow Machine. Yeah, Not we'll, bad. We'll do the, like, bad. the cheap, like, Publix knockoff of it. <laughs> The matter machine, <laughs> the shitter machine. That's what that's what Gabe Gabe always called it, the shitter machine. Anyway, so maybe we'll just change it to that officially. Last question for you: What's your uh, favorite match that you guys ever had over the last few years? Oh man, um, oof. For me, uh, I think my favorite match is uh, we had a <laughs> excuse me. Um, we had I can't remember the town. Dash may know. Uh, but we had a two out of three falls match with Gable and Jordan. And we did a lot of matches with Gable and Jordan on live events uh, that we would go 30 minutes or 40 minutes because they would ask us to, and we loved it. But we had a two out of three falls match with Gable and Jordan. It was on a live event, and I remember that when we were just hitting on all cylinders. Scott Hall was there that night, and he actually put it over, which to me, I'm like, man, you, you know, I can't believe he's actually enjoying a, a match from a couple of 5'10 wrestlers. But um, – Maybe that one um, for the one that's televised. Uh, God, I can't. Two out of three falls with DIY will probably be, you know, in WWE. That'll be our legacy. Um, I'm very, very, very proud of that match. Yeah, I don't know if I can really pinpoint a favorite, man. Like, that, that's going to be really hard for me. Like, we've worked, like you said, Gable and Jordan a lot. We worked Gable and Bobby a lot. And we had matches with those guys that I wish we could have given, like, those versions on TV because I, I think fans would have really really enjoyed that and that's something that we went out there a lot of nights and we worked our asses off all four of us and all five of us the refs too man the ref like dealing with our our bullshit and letting us do a lot of the fun things we want to do especially on live events where you can get away with a little more like all five of us going out there and we come to the back and we're all like extremely blown up and sweaty and exhausted and loving it as far as favorites that were televised maybe take over Dallas for me with Gable and Jordan, even though I feel like our two out of three falls with them was better. The atmosphere in Dallas was really good because it was one of the major arena shows and it was uh, 
Shinsuke's debut that night. So, it, and it was Mania weekend. So it was just like a special magical atmosphere. And then again, the DIY stuff will probably be the, our most remembered, even though it's, it's up there for me. I don't know if it's my actual favorite. Well, guys, like I said, I think it's, uh, there's plenty more great matches to come and it's the perfect time for you guys to, uh, to get your release. And I'm um, really excited to see where you line, where you line up, man. Obviously the young bucks would be huge, but I also like the idea of the juice Robinson and David Finley and all those sort of guys. The North's a good idea. So you got a lot of, uh, great possibilities. And the best part is there's no rush. Like you said, right, man, we're super excited. We can't wait. Um, there's a lot of things that we want to do and, uh, hopefully we get to work with you, Chris, that'd be a dream come true for both of us. There you go. We could do a shatter machine into a double uh, kiz biz, except for yours will be much better than mine. <laughs> oh, baby. Yeah, I got, uh, there's so many, so unbelievably many talented tag teams out there right now that like we're excited just to work with all of them if we get the chance to. Like G.O.D., I'm excited for that. The North, I'm excited for that. Finn Juice, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to show the Young Bucks once and for all that there's no doubt we are the better tag team. At some point, we'll show them. There's just well, just teach Universe. them how tag team wrestle. Just teach them what tag team wrestling really is. You know, with rules and things like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What a concept, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you guys. And like I said, hopefully I'll get a chance to run into you and see you guys and do some work together. And uh, I think you guys did the right thing. And the best part is I'm looking at these pictures <laughs> one last time. And it seems, how come Dax has a much bigger package than Cash? It's, did you, did you notice that? Photoshop. I mean... <laughs> Vince thought it'd be funny to insult my package, I guess. (laughs) Well, no more insults anymore, man. It's the FTR running wild. Thanks, dudes, and hopefully we'll see you down the road very soon. Oh, yeah. Thanks Thanks for having us, Chris.